0: We're looking at Psalm 124 this afternoon. A song of ascents of David. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, Then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. beloved brothers and sisters, this is the second of the Songs of Ascent by David. The first was Psalm 122, and that was, of course, of a very different character than this one. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. This one is one that fits in uh, very well, I think, in with the general theme of the uh, several of these early Psalms of Ascent, that is, the theme of the Lord being our help. In Psalm 120, we have the, um, a, an individual child of God crying to the Lord in his distress. In Psalm 121, we have uh, one confessing that his help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth and then encouraging us to look to this same Lord for our help. He will not allow your foot to be moved. And uh, then in this psalm, 124, uh, we see uh, one confessing, or uh, one urging Israel, rather, to confess that the Lord has been her help. Our help, we read in the final verse, is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The difference then between this psalm and those previous psalms is that this is a confession of help received and a thanksgiving for deliverance granted. So let's look at the psalm under the theme, Had Not the Lord Been on Our Side?, And let's look first at the confession of help received in verses 1 to 5, and then at the thanksgiving for deliverance granted in verses 6 to 8. Really, uh, verses 1 to 5 constitute just one sentence. And that one sentence is made up of two if clauses and three then clauses the two if clauses are exactly the same. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, and that's repeated again in verse 2. So let's look at those first. The problem uh, from which this psalm arose is given to us in the second part of verse 2. Men rose up against us. Now the word for men there is a word that uh, really means mankind. And you could translate, I think, when mankind rose up against us. And I think the idea behind that word is pretty much like the idea uh, behind Jesus' warning to his disciples that the world would hate them. The whole world would be opposed to them. And Here the psalm says, mankind rose up against us. Really, the world rose up against us. There are two peoples in the world, the people of God and the people of this world. There are two kingdoms in this world, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of man or the kingdom of the world. And the kingdom of the world is opposed to the existence of the kingdom of God in the world, and to the existence of the people of God in the world. And uh, most of the time, of course, the kingdom of this world is far stronger than the kingdom of God, at least in earthly terms. So I think that's what's really conveyed by that, when mankind rose up against us, the, the uh, amassing of the world's strength, against the righteousness of God's kingdom and the people of God themselves. <clears throat> and the reason, then, for their opposition is expressed in verse uh, 3, when their wrath was kindled against us. They are angry with us. And if we ask why they are angry with us, then the only answer to that question is that they hate Us, because our works are righteous and theirs are wicked, as Cain hated Abel. David talks about this hatred also in Psalm 55, in several places there in Psalm 55, actually. So I'd like to turn to that psalm for a couple minutes to look at it. You find this anger of the world talked about in verse 3, first of all. David is here complaining to God of the enmity he experiences. He says, Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. But if you go on in the psalm, then you find out a little bit more about how this wrath is expressed. In verses 9 to 11, he says, Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city day and night they go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in its midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. And then in verses 20 and 21, he has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil yet they were drawn swords. Now, if you look at some of the other verses in this psalm, you find out that this enemy that David is talking about here in Psalm 55 was within. It was not an enemy who reproached me, he says, then I could bear it, but it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. And But that person within, that enemy within the camp of Israel really belonged to the world of also, of course. So this uh, uh, wrath of the world against the people of God is a wrath which is um, expressed in many different ways, and it's a, a wrath which is uh, from an enemy that is much stronger than ourselves but the lord is on our side he after the adam and eve fell and the world fell under the sway of satan he called a people out of the world separated to himself a people for himself and he began to build for himself already with adam and eve a kingdom in this world that would be his kingdom and he maintains and defends that kingdom through all the history of the world. He is on the side of that kingdom, of his Israel in the world. He's not on the side ever of the kingdoms of this world. And I think that's a very important confession. When we say the Lord is on our side, we're not talking like, for example, some people have talked about the Lord being on the side of the United States, we should not say that kind of thing in fact, the Lord is not on the side of particular nations in the world. He's on the side of his people wherever that people is found in the world. whether that people is in uh, Russia or in North Korea or in Iraq, or in the United States, or wherever it may be, he's on the side of his people. He's not on the side of the nations of this world. So we say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, we surely would have perished. So let's look then at the three then clauses that you find in verses 3 and 4 and 5. Now these three then clauses are different in their wording, but the idea of each one is the same. Then they would have swallowed us alive. Then the waters would have overwhelmed us. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Two metaphors you have there. First, the metaphor of the overflowing uh, or of the swallowing alive, and then the metaphor of the overflowing waters. That metaphor of being swallowed alive should not be unfamiliar to us. We even use it today, don't we? Sometimes when we, we talk about uh, sports teams and and one team, for example, overwhelming, completely another team we might say that ate them alive. A complete overwhelming. and and that's really the idea here. it's a it's a figure that's familiar, should be familiar to us also from the scriptures. Um, uh, we can look at a couple of passages. Second Samuel seventeen verse sixteen is one. 2 Samuel 17, verse 16. <clears throat> this is when David is fleeing from Absalom. Now therefore, Hushai sends a message to David, saying, Now therefore, sin quickly and tell David, saying, Do not spend this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily cross over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. There's one example of it. You have it again in Psalm 35 verse 25 Psalm 35 verse 25 and let them not say in their hearts ah so we would have it let them not say we have swallowed them up him up and also even in Proverbs chapter 1 when the young men the wicked young men are talking uh, that's in verse 12 and encouraging Uh, Solomon's son, to join them. And they say to him, let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole, like those who go down to the pit, that is, the innocent. And you have, though the word swallow is not used there, you have the same kind of idea in Psalm 14, verse 4, where the Lord uh, condemns the wicked in these words, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call on the Lord. The, uh, there are two things expressed by that, uh, that uh, swallowing us alive. First of all, behind that idea of swallowing us alive is the intense hunger that the wicked have for us. The intense desire to destroy us. It's a kind of spiritual hunger, you might say. It's not a spiritual hunger for God. It's not a spiritual hunger. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness which Jesus encourages in the Beatitudes but it is a spiritual hunger for the souls of God's people a des- desire to devour and consume them so that they may be no more and that's the other thing that's expressed you have this behind it their desire and uh, the desire is for their complete destruction to swallow them alive To consume them completely. And that's how David's thinking here. He's looking at the enemies of Israel and he's saying their desire is to swallow us alive. And we are not strong enough to stand against them. Then the other figure is the figure of overflowing waters which is really repeated three times, twice in verse 4 and then again in verse 5. The waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. And I think what you see there in those three parallel expressions is uh, an intensification. First of all, of course, the waters represent our enemies. Again, that's not at all an unusual Uh, kind of figure that the scriptures use, this figure of the waters for our enemies. One place that David uses it is in Psalm 18, which is his celebration of the Lord's many victories over his enemies. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. And this idea then is that these enemies are are drowning. They are like a great ocean, for example, that uh, is about to overwhelm us. And we cannot keep our heads above water any longer. But I think there's a bit of... In uh, intensification in the next expression because here he doesn't just speak of waters but he speaks, speaks of a stream and I think you shouldn't think of a, 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 a small and peaceful stream but a stream in flood, a powerful stream that is able to sweep us away and to sweep us away from the Lord our God himself. The, sp- the threat against us is a spiritual threat. The waters, he says, or the stream would have gone over our soul. And then in the final um, phrase, verse 5 he combines elements of the first two the waters and the soul but he adds, notice, that word swollen then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul and that's a very interesting word there that's a word, if you look in the King James version of this psalm, you will see that the King James has there, then the proud waters would have gone over our soul. And the word has a kind of two meanings. On the one hand, it does mean to boil or to seethe. So, you could say then the the boiling or the seething waters would have gone over our soul. Or the tumultuous waters, perhaps, would have gone over our soul. But there are other places where that same word is translated as proud and clearly means proud as well. In uh, Nehemiah 9, we find this use of the word Actually, in three places in that chapter, Nehemiah 9, 1st verse 10. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants, and against all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted proudly against them. So you made a name for yourself as it is this day. So that's about Pharaoh. But then if you go down to verse 16, he's talking not about Pharaoh, but about Israel. But they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commandments. And again in verse 29 and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly, and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments. And that word pride, you can see there also, would uh, you could substitute the word presumptuous, and I think that's really the idea of that word when it's used in this way. There's a, a presumptuous lifting of oneself against the Lord. And this is what David means here, the swollen waters, the, the boiling or seething waters, or the tumultuous waters, but also those waters that are acting presumptuously, uh, acting presumptuously against the Lord and against his people. This is the, the, the uh, parts, the, the various parts of these first five verses, but you take it all together And though he's depicting a very negative situation, he's making, or he's encouraging us to make, a very positive confession. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled against us. So if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, we would have been swallowed up. That's the confession he's urging us to make here in this psalm. It's not by our might, not by our strength, not by our skill, not by our cunning that we have been delivered from our enemies, but it is because the Lord has been on our side. Then in verses 6 to 8, we have the thanksgiving for deliverance granted. Blessed be the Lord is how he expresses this thanksgiving. That is indeed an expression of thanksgiving. Uh, That word blessed, we should point out here, is a word which is distinct in some respects from the word praise. We could say praised be the Lord or thanked be the Lord, but it's blessed be the Lord. And it has to do especially with blessing him for benefits received. When we praise him, we may praise him for what he is in ourselves, regardless of what he has done for us. But when we bless him, we bless him for benefits received. But also we should notice about that word blessed, that it does not mean that we can add anything to God by our blessing. When he blesses us, he adds something to us. He increases our blessedness. He adds good to us or he restores good that has been lost in some way. But when we bless him, we can add no good to him because he is the eternally and infinitely blessed one who has all good in himself. And therefore, when we bless him, we can only acknowledge that infinite blessedness and that infinite goodness that belongs to him. We can only be acknowledging the good that he has done for us. Rather than adding good to him, we acknowledge the good that he has added to us. Blessed be the Lord. And then the reasons for this blessing in verses the rest of verse 6 and verses 7 and 8. He has not given us as prey to their teeth. The enemy is there depicted as a ravening and roaring lion, as in Psalm 7 O Lord my God, in you I put my trust, save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me, lest they tear me like a lion, rending me in pieces while there is none to deliver, or as Peter says in 1 Peter 5, The devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. They want to tear us with their teeth. And if it had not been for the Lord, we would surely have fallen prey to them. But he has not given us as prey to their teeth. Secondly, in verse 7, Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowler a different figure now. Now we are are birds whom the uh, fowlers seek to ensnare in their traps. And it's even implied here in this verse that we have fallen into the trap, that the snare has taken us. We have fallen into temptation. We have fallen under the power of evil men. But our soul, we confess here, has escaped As a bird from the snare of the fowler. And it has escaped because the snare is broken. And the snare is broken because of course the Lord himself has broken it for us. We were taken. We were ensnared. But the Lord broke the snare. And caused us to escape. Again a rather common figure in the Psalms. Psalm uh, 140 verse 5 uses a similar figure. The proud have hidden a snare for me in cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set traps for me. Or Psalm 141, verse 9. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. But especially in Psalm 91, verse 3. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that wastes at noonday. In fact, of course, the wicked as other psalms say, fall into their own snares. And then finally, blessed be the Lord, because he is our help. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, well, I th- I think we should point out in the first place, of course, that When we refer in this way to the Lord's creative work, we are appealing to his power, his ability to save. If he can do such great works as creating heaven and earth, calling the things that be not as though they were, bringing into existence all creatures by his mere word, then he can surely help those who belong to him. He can surely help us. He is the one, after all, who made heaven and earth. It was not the devil or his hosts. It was not the wicked nations of this world who made these great works. They cannot even do it or come anywhere close to doing such mighty things. But he can and did. When we tamper with the doctrine of creation in Genesis 1, and we undermine this confession, When we bring into question the idea that the Lord brought into existence by the mere speaking of his word all the creatures that are found on this earth and did that in a matter of six days, and we are undermining the confidence of the people of God in the Lord who made heaven and earth. This confession looks both backward and forward as we look back over the history of God's people in the world, we see how often he has come to the help and the salvation of his people. And we say our help is in the name of the Lord. But also as we look forward, knowing that many trials and troubles await the people of God here in the world before our Lord Jesus Christ returns, we know that this confession remains true. Our help is in the name of of the Lord. That's been the experience of God's people in the past. Think of Adam and Eve themselves who fell under the power of the serpent but whom the Lord immediately delivered from the power of the serpent by coming with his promise that there would be a seed to bruise the serpent's head. Think of Enoch, the preacher of righteousness, who would surely have been destroyed by the wicked men of his time if the Lord had not translated him into glory. Think of Noah and his little family coming near to destruction, the people of God coming near to destruction before the Lord comes to destroy the world with a flood. Think of Gideon against the Midianites. David against Goliath, and in fact against all the enemies of God's people, the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Syrians and many others. Think of Athanasius against the world, confessing the truth of Christ's deity, or Luther at the Diet of Worms. These were not mighty in themselves. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, surely we would have perished. But think especially of our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who fought against many enemies, mighty enemies, who fought against the leaders of the Jews, much more powerful than those few who remained faithful among the people of Israel, who fought against Pontius Pilate and the power of Rome, and against Herod and the power of Edom, who fought against the grave and death itself and overcame all these mighty enemies, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God. Why do we confess had not the Lord been on our side? It is because of what our Lord Jesus Christ himself has done in his life here on the world in fighting our enemies. They are all already overcome. They are already fading away into nothing next. And we, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. May God bless his word for us.